0: before Friday, October 16th, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini.
1: I'm arts and culture writer Alicia Ramirez.
0: And I'm Broadway stars James Marino. Going three wide on a Tony nomination Friday. Ashley uh, is still recuperating. She thinks she'll be back for Monday's show. She was sorry she couldn't make it for this one, but uh, we are glad, James, that you are with us. Um, This is our fifth uh tony nomination day together it's the first one that i mentioned yesterday um in my interview with the guys about the uh, all sonnets of shakespeare um that's the first time we're not doing this immediately after the nominations came out um for obvious reasons because they re- did this, they released him at noon but i have to ask james how did you think the uh the feed went any issues any streaming concerns <laughs>
2: Well, you know YouTube is uh, is the gold standard so uh, mm-hmm.
0: yeah and it helps when it's pre-filmed too. yeah exactly yeah I, I I didn't feel like it would be appropriate for me to get on Twitter and say, is the stream not working? Why is my stream not working at like 11:30 but uh, <laughs> I thought about it. I thought about it.
1: Yeah. Somebody mentioned there wasn't a placeholder for the video around 11. So I thought that might be an issue, but I guess not.
0: No, it worked, as far as I'm concerned, incredibly smoothly. I know some people didn't really care about James's uh, James Monroe Igelhart not James Marino. Everybody cares about what James Marino says, uh, some of his stories. But I thought it worked well uh, just to kind of give some time in between the different categories and sections. I, I thought it worked really well. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that, knock on wood, that that means that the actual ceremony, if and when it ever happens, will go smoothly as well. But um, before we get into the nominations, everybody – I did notice that there was a lot of snark and annoyance for various reasons, both legitimate and otherwise as these nominations were being unveiled and especially afterwards. And while I understand a lot of these people's points, I was a little taken aback by how virulent it was. And we always get snark. The theater community is very passionate about its level of snark, but, um, I've been as outspoken as anybody about how I think the Broadway League has mishandled not only the Tonys, but their response to the pandemic as well. So I'm all for being critical about that. Uh, we've all, all three of us, and Ashley as well, have been critical of the government's response to providing relief to individuals, artists, or otherwise who have been impacted by COVID. But I don't really understand why there was so much animosity just to the fact that there is a Tony Awards happening. At all. A lot of people talked about how they think it's a waste of money. Obviously, there'll be money spent on the production. Um, but I've said many times before, I think that it's a tr- it has a tremendous value for the artists being recognized, both personally, emotionally, morale wise, but also professionally in years to come. It also is just fair. Um, We had a season. There should be a Tony Awards of some sort. You can argue about they could just do a press release, but that seems to kind of miss the point of how important the Tonys are to the community and to the fans. It provides a level of closure and celebration. But I also think that there is an opportunity, and I hope that the Broadway League and the American Theatre Wing do this, there's an opportunity for them to raise money for theatre artists of all kinds around the country who are struggling, and I would really love it if the Broadway League put a sizable chunk of its money where at least it's where its mouth should be. Their mouth hasn't been there yet, which is one part of the problem. Um, but I, I hope that they find a way to make whatever this streaming Tony Awards is something that does some good for the community beyond just giving out awards. Um, I'm firmly in favor of these Tonys happening and providing whatever good and light that they can to the industry community in the world. But I think that this is a perfect opportunity for the Broadway League to step up and take the leadership role that they have thus far ab- ab- that they have thus far abdicated throughout the pandemic.
2: It's like uh, we've become the Vox's uh, the,
0: the weeds in your Matthew Iglesias. <laughs> I'm sorry. I do um, the just full disclosure. The uh, Ohio State website that I write for uh, Land Grant Holy Land is part of a sub uh, is part of SB Nation, which is a subsidiary of Vox. So uh, maybe maybe it's running off on me. All right, let's get in. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I I, I wouldn't hold your breath. (laughs) About the Broadway League doing anything? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with Matt, but I feel like this was a job half done because I feel they couldn't really deal with the pressure of people saying that they haven't stepped up or when are the Tonys going to happen and whatnot that they forgot a crucial element, which was to date, I, I would have rather waited a longer time until they had the date for them to announce the nominations, than just watch a nomination. It, and it is weird. I think the announcement
0: it. will be coming soon. Uh, I think that it, there's some negotiations going on behind the scenes. I, I, I think that we'll be seeing these, uh, the these awards handed out in early December. That's what I've heard. Um, and I, it'll be an, uh, on an interesting platform. Um, I, I think that that's there. Uh, obviously, it would have been better if they were able to announce it. But that doesn't bother me. I'm just happy that they have some sort of forward movement. But Matt,
2: do you think that there's a possibility that they will give out the Tony Awards during the commercial breaks of, like,
0: the Hallmark holiday movies? I, mean, I hope so. I, I'm already watching, so that's <laughs> fine by me. I and mean, crying. You know. <laughs> and crying. Oh yeah. Well those don't generally make me cry. A little
2: bit. It depends. Depends on how good. I mean and Laura Osnes can and Aaron Tveit can just uh take a break there
0: and just Oh, we're gonna talk about Aaron. Don't worry. Oh so go forward. Aaron. <laughs> yeah, Aaron's going to be busy, kind of, maybe. Anyway, all right, so let's get into the nominations, and they are interesting. We're going to start with the production categories, and then we can kind of regroup from there. For Best Play, the nominees are Grand Horizons by Bess Wall, The Inheritance by Matthew Lopez, Seawall and a Life by Simon Stevens and Nick Payne. That's an interesting one. Slave Play by Jeremy O'Harris and The Sound Inside by Adam Rep. What is interesting about this is Slave Play now becomes the most nominated play in Tony Awards history, beating this last revival of Angels in America. Interestingly enough, they have the Slave Play has 12. The Inheritance actually also beat um, Angels in America with 11. So that would have been a new record holder if Slave Play hadn't uh, taken that away. The Best Musical nominees are Jagged Little Pill, Moulin Rouge, and Tina, the Tina Turner Musical. There is no Best Revival for a musical, so we'll go to Best Revival of a Play. We have three, Betrayal, Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune, and A Soldier's Play. Uh, let's go to the performance categories next. Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role in a Play, Ian Barford for Linda Vista. Andrew Burnap for The Inheritance, Jake Gyllenhaal for Seawall A Life, Tom Hiddleston for Betrayal. That'll be interesting. A good Marvel Cinematic Universe battle between <laughs> uh, Mysterio and Loki. Then we had Tom Sturridge for Seawall and a Life and Blair Underwood for A Soldier's Play. That is six nominees in this category, which means that there must have been either a tie or something within the uh, the margin of error to can be considered a tie to get that sixth nominee in this category. Going to Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role in a Play, we have uh, Kola Kolakongo for Slave Play, Laura Linney for My Name is Lucy Barton, Audra McDonald for Frankie and Johnny in the Clear de Lune, and Mary Louise Parker for The Sound Inside. Sticking with the Play Categories, Best Performance by an Actor in a Featured Role in a Play, Ato Blankson Wood for Slave Play, James Cassati Moyer for Slave Play, David Allen Greer for A Soldier's Play, John Benjamin Hickey for The Inheritance, and Paul Hilton for The Inheritance. And finally, in the play performance categories, Best Performance by an Actress in a Featured Role in a Play, Jane Alexander for Grand Horizons, Chalia Latour for Slave Play, Annie McNamara for Slave Play, Lois Smith for Inheritance, and Cora Vanderbroek for Linda Vista. Now, one thing that I think is important to mention, and I think this, this applies to both um, so all of the performance categories, I think we all understand that had the season gone on longer and all of the shows that we knew were supposed to be coming had opened, not all of these people would have been nominated. They filled the slots that were available because they were in shows that had had the opportunity to open and run. But I'm still excited for all of these, and especially when it comes to the musical ones, which we'll talk about here in a second, but I don't, I'm not one that necessarily thinks that you have to put an asterisk by all of these. This is the season that happened. Let's celebrate the nominations and the performances that did occur. Um, I I saw a lot of people saying, well, that Slave Play got 12 nominations, but it wouldn't have had uh, this opened or that opened, or they'd have all of this competition. But like, why do we need to... You know, for lack of a better term, crap on things that are good for other people, you know? No,
2: mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, uh, there.
0: let's celebrate, not not denigrate. Celebrate good times. Come on.
1: Yeah, of course. Also, if I may add, where's Ashley Parks' nomination?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I did not see Grand Horizon, so I, I can't speak to whether she deserved it or not, but I would love Ashley Park getting another nomination. Although, I'm just saying, there might be a very good possibility that she has a nomination the next time we do the Tony Awards, but that's a rumor for another day. All right, okay. let's get into the, uh, the musical categories: best performance by an actor in a leading role in a musical. All right, this is a long one. Help me here. Aaron Tveit for Moulin Rouge. That's it. There were only two uh, actors uh, eligible for this category, along with Aaron Tveit. Chris McCarroll for The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical was uh, eligible, but he did not get a nomination. Now, that's a little shady. We'll talk about that here in a second. But this is obviously a pretty unusual situation. But despite what I think a lot of people just assumed when this was announced based on the fact that Aaron is essentially running unimposed, that does not automatically guarantee him a win in the Tony awards. The awards rules actually state quote, if the Tony awards nominating committee has determined that if there is only one nominee in a category listed, such category shall be submitted to the Tony voters, which may by the affirmation vote of 60% of the total ballots cast grant an award in that category. So, The Tony Tony voters now have to decide whether they think Aaron deserves to win this award. If he gets 60 percent of the votes, he will be the Tony winner. But he does not necessarily automatically win the Tony awards. Now, I feel pretty confident that Aaron will get 100 percent, 95 percent at worst. um, But it's not automatic at this point, although I think it is a foregone conclusion. Nonetheless,
2: I can't disagree with you
0: on that. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where I'm going to talk about this a little bit in some of these other categories, but like I didn't love Aaron Tveit in Mulan Rouge, but you know what I loved Aaron Tveit in um, next to normal? Um, catch me if you can. The the Barrington company that he did. Um, you know, I think he's just one of those guys who I have no problem if he wins a Tony Award for a role that in a normal year he wouldn't have won it with. I'm fine with that. I don't care. Tony winner Aaron Tveit sounds pretty good to me. All right, moving on to best performance by an actress in a leading role in a musical, Karen Olivo for Moulin Rouge, Elizabeth Stanley for Jagged Little Pill, and Adrian Warren for Tina, the Tina Turner musical. You guys didn't hear that uh, because we cut it out. I actually combined Elizabeth Stanley and Adrian Warren and said that I was happy that Elizabeth Warren had received a Tony nomination. (laughs) But uh, Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth, I did it again. Elizabeth Stanley is the same thing with Aaron Tavate, like, I didn't think she really fit the role that she was cast in in Jagged Little Pill, though she gave her heart to it. But she is such an amazing performer who has been undervalued in the community. I am very happy that she is a Tony nominee today all right let's do these real quick featured categories um best performance by an actor in a featured role in a musical danny burstein for moulin rouge Derek clinna for jagged little pill sean allen krill jagged little pill sar nagaju for moulin rouge daniel J. watts for tina the tina turner musical best performance by an actress in a featured role in a musical katherine gallagher jagged little pill Celia rose gooding jagged little pill robin herter moulin rouge lauren patton Jagged Little Pill, and Myra Myra, Lucretia Taylor for Tina the Tina Turner Musical. Um, every single principal in Jagged Little Pill is a nominee. Again, would not have happened if all those other shows had opened, but happy for Catherine and Celia and Lauren um, and Robin and Myra uh, as well in that category. Uh, Alicia, I know you had some thoughts on this category specifically.
1: Yes, I do. Before I share them, I just want to... Add something to your comment about every principal in jagged little pill being nominated. Um, I would also have to think about Antonio Cipriano because he's listed as Ensemble yeah. slash Phoenix, so technically he's also a principal.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ifs and buts and care or candy and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think this category is so stacked. And I think at this point, Lauren would be the front runner. But I was so pleasantly surprised by Celia and Catherine's nomination and Robbins. My goodness. I, so This is this is my favorite category to date.
0: Um, James, I think I've talked about it with you or maybe it was Ashley. like I did not love Jagged Little Pill. I but I thought Catherine and Celia's characters um, were the best parts of that show. Um, I think we talked about that when I did my review of the show when I was after I saw it when I was in New York, James. Um, So I think that both of these are are, all of these are very well. Um, are very very well earned. But, all right, let's real quick do a few more of the nominations. Of course, we will have all of the nominations in the show notes and at broadwayradio.com. Best Direction of a Play, David Cromer, The Sound Inside, Stephen Daldry, The Inheritance, Kenny Leon, A Soldier's Play, Jamie Lloyd, Betrayal, and Robert O'Hara for Slave Play. Best Direction of a Musical, Philida Lloyd for Tina, The Tina Turner Musical, Diane Paulus, Jagged Little Pill, and Alex Timbers for Moulin Rouge. That is two of the three... Best direction of a musical nominees that are women, so that is um, that is wonderful. There, going up to um, uh, the best book of a musical is *Jagged Little Pill* for Diablo Cody, *Mulan Rouge* for John Logan, *Tina* the Tina Turner musical for Katori Hall, Frank Ketelar and Keys Prince, and then we have one of the most interesting ones in the history of Tony Awards: Best Original Score, Music and/or Lyrics written for the theater, *A Christmas Carol*. The Inheritance, The Rose Tattoo, Slave Play, and The Sound Inside. What you will notice is there is nary a musical in this category. Mm. This will be the first time that this category is won by a play. Obviously not the first time that there has been a play nominated, but it will be the first time that the winner for Best Original Score is a play. Now, this kind of brings us back to one of the biggest topics of Uh, of discussion after these nominations came out, and that is the complete shutout of The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical. Now, I did not see the show, so I have no opinion on whether or not it should have been nominated for anything or not, so I'm going to leave that aside. But I do want to address this idea that I saw a lot on Twitter from people who I think are well-intentioned trying to stick up for the show, but I... There was this idea that the nominating committee had some sort of petty agenda to embarrass or undermine this show specifically. And obviously I can't speak for the members of this committee, but in my experience, and I've interviewed a number of past nominators on Broadway radio over the years, these people take their responsibilities incredibly seriously and want nothing more than to do right by the artists and by the Tonys themselves and perhaps – They might take that last part a little too seriously. In fact, I think that might be where the disconnect is for a lot of people. As I've said many, many times, I think that holding these Tonys is important for many reasons, including to recognize the work done by the artists in this abbreviated season. So I think that the nominators should have filled the categories with as many nominees as the rules would allow. and They should have celebrated as many people and productions as possible. But... I don't believe that the snubbing of The Lightning Thief was malicious. I think that it was people who just honestly couldn't see the forest through the trees. And they tried to create, they tried to like nominate things as if they were in some parallel universe where um, the pandemic hadn't happened. So they were trying to say, well, would this have been a real contender had all these other shows opened? well, no, but that's not the world that we live in. And they tried to create some mythical legitimacy to make sure that the integrity of the nominations was, was held sacred. And I understand that. I appreciate that. But it's the same argument that I always hate about, well, if you dim the lights for this person, you've got to dim the lights for everybody. And my argument with that is always James, as you've heard me say for years now, dim the damn lights, give out the nominations who cares. Um, So uh, with all due respect, To the nominators, all due respect to people who are mad at the nominators, I don't think that this was anything malicious. I don't think anyone went out to embarrass um, uh, uh, the Lightning Thief. But when it comes down to it, if only two horses run the Kentucky Derby, one's going to win and one's going to finish second. The one who finishes second still runs the race, and I think that the Lightning Thief should have gotten a chance to be at least acknowledged. Um, So I don't think that this was some spiteful scheme to embarrass them, but I was a little put off by people who tried to villainize the nominators just because they chose um, something that I think was a little, uh, you know, inappropriate for the circumstances, but I I don't think that there was anything malicious about that decision. And James, you've been around this long enough. Um, You know, I, I think, you know, some of these people as well. And I don't think that anybody, associated with this would do that. I, I don't think
2: that there was a, a malicious intent, but I saw the lightning thief.
0: <laughs> I know. And that's the thing. Like, and that's the thing, like <laughs> I
2: understand. Like I didn't know. I'm so I, of- I, I was, yeah, I'm, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm trying to gather my thoughts so that it, it just doesn't come off as, as, as snarky and flip as, and you know, that's sort of you? what I do. Yep. But I, I don't mean to do that here. Um, I don't think that The Lightning Thief should have ever been in a Broadway house. Yeah. It, it was that bad. It, it, it was that bad. And I think that it denigrates the value of Broadway and the value of the Tony Awards if they're able to market themselves as Tony-nominated The Lightning Thief.
0: And that's the only reason they were on Broadway was to be able to market themselves yes. as straight from Broadway, whether that's for licensing or touring. So I get that, I get that, but it, this we're in the middle of a pandemic. No, sure,
2: I, I absolutely I I understand what you're saying, but um, I I I I can see absolutely what you're saying, and I I also see it from the flip side of that that this shouldn't have been. In the same category as the other as the other folks that are that have been nominated, so you know it, it's an honor just to be nominated that they say and I, i'm I'm up here, and I can't believe I'm in the category with all you other people and all those things we hear that are you know cliches but uh, are said over and over uh, this is why the Lightning thief did not get any nominations.
0: Yeah, uh, a couple things before we wrap up the Tony talk, want to shout out a couple of of our friends who are nominated. Uh, our friend Lindsey, were you Jones. nominated? I was not. Um, no. someday Sorry, someday Sorry. Um, I'll give you a, a an interview when it happens. But uh, our friend Lindsey Jones was a dual nominee for Slave yeah. Play, both for sound design uh, and for best original score. And speaking of Slave Play, our friend Oliver Roth, I believe as I'm scrolling back up is nominated for yeah, nominated uh, for three of the best play nominees as one of the producers for the inheritance, Seawall wall and a life and slave play. He's got a three out of five shot to win that first Tony. So uh, congratulations to them and all of our other friends and former guests who were nominated as well.
1: I have a question for you guys before yes. we wrap up, please going back to the lightning Thief and Aaron Tveit, I've been thinking about this all day. Would you rather be in the position Aaron is in and have in in your mind that you need 60% or more of the votes versus being nominated with somebody else and not know the percentage of people who voted for you?
2: Hmm. You know, Aaron... Aaron's got a higher bar to reach than a Supreme Court
0: justice right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I also think that Aaron competing against air is going to be a slam dunk as to where you're in a category with other people. Those other people are very deserving as well. No one. I don't think there's going to be anybody who votes not to give this award. So I would probably want to be Aaron because it also being competing against nobody is better than competing against two people. Um, and a Tony, nom- a Tony awards would certainly be nice to have on your mantle. So I would go with that, but I do think it, I think you're right. Like it does take away a little bit of the excitement. I'm sure that he is still super excited and will be very uh, you know, honored to have the award, but it does take away some of that, like going in even to today, like there's literally only two people who can be nominated. I know I'm going to be nominated. He didn't have to worry about getting up and watching and being nervous. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would definitely want the better odds to win, even if it has to be a higher threshold. So
2: who's the uh is it Roger Maris with the sixty-one and the asterisk?
0: Um Well, Roger Maris uh did it, but you know, Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were the ones that had the asterisk, yeah.
2: Okay. Um they, they all still are well-regarded, well you know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, it's going to be yeah, Aaron, Aaron Tveit, uh, Tony Award winner. Um, exactly. And, and nobody's going to – it'll be like – like, it'll be a Peter Felicia trivia question. What what show was it? You know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I can only remember – I mean, the last time I remember anything being unopposed was with Sunset. sunset. Yeah. Yeah, with Sunset for score and book because there wasn't anything else. That's musical, um, wasn't no- it? Or – I don't remember, but that was a long time ago. Um, But, you know, that's the only one that I can think of. So but people don't really care. It's still Sunset Boulevard. It's a Tony winner. That's great. But Mm -hmm. anyway, let's move on to some other news. Since the Tonys were the main story, um, I'm going to run through the rest of this news really quickly. And I do want to note that there are some smaller news items, but also some articles that I want to save for next week when we can talk about them longer um, because we didn't have the time to get into them. But here are some things that we need to talk about we first have to acknowledge the fact that Herbert Kretzmer, most well known for writing the English lyrics to Les Miserables, passed away earlier this week at the age of 95. Godspeed, sir. Uh, he's also one of the articles I saw said that he is largely responsible for uh, musicals uh, becoming longer than three hours. I thought that was a little shady to put in a no bit, but yeah. There were musicals longer than three hours long before Les Miserables. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I think that to popularize it, but huh. either way, um, next, it was announced that following the delay to restart the Broadway season, David Burns American Utopia will return to Broadway on September 17th, 2021. We also learned on Thursday that a filmed version of the 1999 Broadway revival of Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman will stream on Playbill beginning on Wednesday, October 21st and remaining on the site through the 25th. Presented by Showtime, the Actors Fund and the Goodman Theater, the presentation will be free, but donations are encouraged to be given to the Actors Fund. This show will uh, star the late two-time Tony winner, Brian Dennehy. Uh, Similarly, as part of his deal with HBO, Jeremy O. Harris, fresh on the heels of his show being the most nominated play of all time, he is producing a free live-streamed production of Will Arbery's Heroes of the Fourth Turning, complete with the original cast from October 21st through the 24th. Tickets will be free, as I said, though donations are encouraged. Proceeds will go towards uh, the the to-be-announced grants for New York City-based theater artists. I'm not 100% sure if this is going to be, I think, I think it's going to be like a staged version. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure that wasn't clear in the articles, but kind of the way that it came off and some of the things that Jeremy was saying on Twitter, it seems like this is going to be a staged version um, rather than the the reading that we saw from play preview earlier this year. But um, as every listener knows, I have long been in awe of the things that jeremy o Harris does to bring shows to theater fans uh, who might not otherwise get to see them so this is just a uh, another addition to that long list of things to to be appreciated uh, to be appreciative to him for
2: okay so uh what do we have in recommendations
0: No, no, you're right. I'm going to turn this over to you, this first one, James, because you are actually the one who sent this over. It's a Fresh Air interview with um, Danny Burstein and Rebecca Luker. Um, So why don't you kind of tell me how that all went with Terry Gross?
2: So uh, NPR is uh, Fresh Air. Terry Gross, I mean, top of the line, best radio, best uh, interviewers possible, And she had on Rebecca Luker and Danny Burstein a couple of days ago uh, before they had the uh, Tony Award announcements, the uh, nomination announcements. And Danny, of course, was – we've just had the good news again that Danny's been uh, nominated again. So uh, uh, Terry talked uh, with Danny and Rebecca about the pandemic and about Danny getting sick and Rebecca's uh, fight with ALS and uh, what Broadway means to them and how – just what a what a gift that the two of them are for the Broadway community and the world in general. So definitely take a listen to that.
0: Yeah, there will also be a, um, a special live stream letter writing rally to support those living with ALS that Rebecca and Danny are going to be a part about this coming Monday uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So we will have information about that in the show notes. And I've said this before, I, I think that Uh, Seth Rudetsky and his husband, James Wesley, deserve the Isabel Stevenson Award for um, all the work that they've done with the Actors Fund during this pandemic. I would also love to to champion a Rebecca Luker special Tony Award um, for the work that she's done for ALS and just her lifelong contributions to the American theater. So uh, I hope that the American theater wing and the Broadway League step up and uh, include those. Uh, in the Tonys when they actually ever happen. <laughs> and finally, in this uh, these recommendations, there is a, a, a TikTok video that Larry Owens, uh, star of uh, A Strange Loop, did. It's just they're a minute long, and it is just titled Definitive Ranking Sondheim Angenues. And he goes through five... Sondheim Ange news from Joanna um, to um, Beth in and in in Merrily to Amy and company um, and and Cinderella. I'm not going to tell you who his number one is because I don't want to give that away, but it is very funny, incredibly dry. Larry is uh, always hilarious. So uh, if you want a little bit of a laugh uh, for your Sondheim friends, check that out. Ashley. Ashley. gave this a vote of of, of support so you know if, if Ashley supports anything Sondheim related it must be worth watching <laughs> alright so before we wrap up James Alicia any final thoughts on today's festivities uh, no. don't watch NBC nope never no, right. I'm done second it no, I'm yeah, done third it alright yep that is all that we have thank you for listening to today on Broadway follow us on Facebook and Twitter at BroadwayVated and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt Alicia where can people find you
1: People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Gar 31
0: James? And
2: my name is James Marino from broadwayradio.com and broadwaystars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Friday with us and wrapping up the week on Sunday, this week on Broadway. Michael, Peter, and I will be back talking about something that I don't recall just right now. Uh, I would imagine you're talk about some Tony nominations. Oh, we'll definitely talk about t- Tony nominations. Here was another topic. And I forget what it was. Well, real quick. Do you want to mention who your guest will be uh, next weekend? Not this Sunday, but next Sunday, the 25th, we have the James Monroe Iglehart is going to be talking with us on uh, this week on Broadway. So uh, sign up at com slash broadway radio or broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. And uh, we'll talk to you, I guess, maybe uh, the return of Ashley next week. Let's uh, see if we can do that. All right,
0: moving on. Best performance by an actress in a leading role in a musical. Karen Olivo for Moulin Rouge. Elizabeth Stanley for Jagged Little Pill. And Adrienne Warren for Tina. Same thing applies for Elizabeth Warren. I thought she was very... Hey, Matt. Elizabeth Stanley.
1: What Elizabeth Sally,
0: yeah. Elizabeth Warren. Did I say Elizabeth Warren? Yeah, yes. you did. I'm sorry. I have, Who should uh, I win have a Tony remember. Award? I would be fine with that, too. Yeah. All right, let me do that again. <laughs>